0: You know last year where I... Well, the past several years where I kept struggling to remember because of ADHD to take my collar yeah. off when we were recording? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, yeah. this year it's gotten better. Where what happens is, once Laura starts the count to sync us up for me to start... Oh, the, the 3 two, one so one clap on the fourth beat, yeah. That's <laughs> when I remember to take it off. So <laughs> every week now is a challenge to, like, grab it, tear it off just in time to clap. Um, I didn't manage Uh-oh. it this week. I had it in my hand and had to clap. So it was a clap with a little bit of a jingle. Yeah. So a bit of a it, festive clap. It,
1: this is like me on one of the other podcasts that do, Dice Funk, where someone else does the count-in for when recording starts where, like, we we, we, on the the, the fourth beat, we all click the record button. Usually I say I'm ready for that when I do not have my recording software open or my mouse over the button, (laughs) and as the countdown happens, I have to... It's a race against time. Will I make it to the button before the the, the countdown finishes? I
2: feel like that's everybody on that show, though. I feel like everybody has that exact experience except for Austin.
1: Yeah, until I DM'd half of a season, and then I had to be the yeah. one who was responsible and wrangling everyone. Aren't you yeah.
2: glad you have a pair of calm, collected, responsible, and professional people that host this podcast with you?
1: Oh, such serious professionals mm-hmm. I host this with. Oh. Yeah. Couldn't do it without you, though. <laughs> ADHD. That is the problem, we... isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we do have a laugh with ADHD, but it is genuinely fucking... Horrifying. It's a terrifying right. nightmare. I've described it before as living with a roommate you never see that's gaslighting you constantly. Yeah. I can't <laughs> trust what five minutes ago me did, but I know it did something and it's gonna fuck me. Uh, welcome to Pogquisition. I am half blind in one eye. Not genuinely uh, the glasses I'm wearing. I didn't talk last week because some of it was X-rated and some of it was not entirely legal. I talked to you two about last week, but I... Um, had uh, a little date uh that yeah you did winded up um with sex being had in a forge and my glasses got scuffed up and so i'm i went back to my old glasses But i've had migraines all week off the back of that just to say that like no one else on the podcast this week has suffered more than i <laughs> I, I believe that i've had the most
1: miserable most unwell time how are you laura I am on day four of <laughs> What's Illness Gonna Do To Me, Roulette? Yeah,
0: I did say um, before we recorded that this could be a game show. Uh, every day you're waking up with a new symptom and having to deal with that.
1: Yeah, it's it's that, you know, there's a handful of, like, base symptoms, and every day, like, some of them are going to be slid up or down on on the degrees. There's a certain number of skill points that are going to get shuffled around. Um, I have a voice today, but any time I cough, my chest feels brittle and rattly, which isn't fun. So, I'm probably not going to be my most talkative today. That is a shame. And I
0: am I, sorry, it's been a week for it, because Z Manzilla, the editor, yeah. co-editor of, I say co-editor, at this point, their work on the gymquisition is, it's practically a double act now in terms of I bring the audio and they bring the visual and even then the music videos they've started putting in fucking
2: hell i've warned them about that i told them they can't do that the audience will expect it every week and that's it's happening they're too good like maintaining that quality standard and you've known me for long enough conrad you know how i react to being upstage for too long
0: (laughs) (laughs) their days are numbered (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but um, Z Manzilla has just been a tremendous shot in the arm for the show. I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, mm-hmm. But they, they've, not, they've been through the wars this week as well. They're, their arm's been hurt. So, yeah, it's been, been really shitty all round. Um, yeah. But luckily, Pogquisition is here. And if there's one thing this show is known for, it is for being 100% optimistic throughout. Yeah.
2: It is weird, though. I did make this reflection because I've, I've been on this show now for uh, over 200 episodes, mm-hmm. and I was reflecting last week or the week before, how I think when I came onto the show, nobody would have guessed that I would be the most optimistic person on it, <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet the last couple of episodes, we've come away from it, and I've sounded like pretty hopeful motherfucker.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've so, been a bit too doomy on here, and I don't want to be. So, um, s-
1: sometimes hope ebbs
2: and flows, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> anyway, sorry, we got to yes. get to games, because Laura's not well.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm going I'm to talk about some of my stuff quick, and probably not in as much depth as I, as I usually would. But I, I want to start by talking about the uh, a, a thing I've been playing with this week, because uh, I'm ill and on bed rest, and couldn't have really asked for a better time for this thing to arrive. I've been playing around with the PlayStation Portal, which is a PS5 remote play device uh, that, that released last week. Um, so for any of you who have not seen this, it is a PS5 controller, ripped in half, with a tablet screen in the middle of it. And I have been struggling to work out how I want to talk about this thing, because on paper... There is no reason that this £200 uh, device is strictly necessary mm-hmm. in my gaming life, in that I could, in theory, hook up my phone to a controller and stream my games from my, my PlayStation 5 to my phone over the internet and use like a Bluetooth controller to my phone and play my games that way. And I have done a lot in the past, and if... Your home network gives you a good or a bad experience doing that. You are going to have a very, very comparable experience with the PlayStation Portal. Um, This is not like the Wii U gamepad was, where it's directly connecting to the console. This is going via your internet router, and depending on how close you are to your Wi-Fi router and what your sort of Wi-Fi strength is like, is going to have an impact on the performance of it. In theory, there's nothing this is doing that you couldn't already do with, like a hodgepodge of setup. That being said, for me and my kind of use case, I really like this device, specifically because of the fact, well, a couple of facts. One, I really like that it is a dedicated device, because as much as I can use my phone and, like, a little Bluetooth control amount that I put my phone in and stuff like that, I don't like doing that, in that... I don't like having my phone that is buzzing with little notifications happening while I'm trying to play games. I don't like, if I get a, a message from someone and I feel the need to respond to it while I'm playing a game remote played to my phone, I'm like uh, oh, that's two things I'm doing at once. I don't like having to like get this slightly janky setup and fiddle about with it to get it running in the moment I want to play a game. This PlayStation Portal is really nice in that once you've like connected it to your playstation it is very much just you turn it on it automatically finds the playstation press a button it goes i like that if it loses connection it sort of will pause your game even if it's a game that like doesn't technically have pause functionality until you get your connection back and jump back in it's all very smooth and swish package the screen on it is really nice it is really nice to use your actual console controller for the, the games that you would be playing it's not one-to-one, a PS5 controller. The analog sticks are a little bit smaller, with a little bit smaller of a uh, travel distance on them. But in practice, having this thing, it's really nice having a dedicated device where it's like, I press the power button and just within a second or two is like, here's your PS5 on your thing. Performance is going to really, really vary from, from personal setup to personal setup. I have found it surprisingly easy to forget about the fact I'm playing over a remote play device on this thing. The resolution has has stayed pretty solid, not having much in the way of like bitrate artifacting, low latency on the controls. I've been playing lies of P this week on this thing, and i a game that I never got around to finishing and I got stuck on a couple of bosses I've been making progress on bosses I was stuck on playing locally I've been make being able to get past over remote play, so like I've been using it for a week. It feels better than using a phone and a Bluetooth controller. I don't know if it's actually any better, or mm. if it's just more convenient to just not have to fiddle around setting it up and I can just press a button and it's there. As someone that does a lot of, like, I want to be watching something on the TV and also playing a game, and that wants the option to be able to, like, ah, oh, I'm in the living room with my with my wife and we're watching, we're watching a show, but also I kind of want to make some progress on my PlayStation game, it's really nice to have a very premium feeling Dedicated device that I just press the button and I'm playing my PlayStation. It's certainly not going to be for everyone, but I'm really digging it. That last point is is a good
0: one to make because we were talking about ADHD a few moments ago. Yeah, and I used to have to fixate on a thing, but over time, I I have reached that stage of ADHD where you need like a lot of stimulus. Yeah. I often game and have, like, live streams or podcasts going. Um, Sometimes I do that, though. Like, I I do that with the Steam Deck sometimes. Um, Unless it's a game that's really good at holding a fixated attention, I will often have something just running on the TV. Just for background noise. I just need to diffuse my brain.
1: Yeah. And, And I think, like, you will probably understand the use case I found nicest for this. One of the biggest reasons I don't like using my phone and a Bluetooth controller is that usually I've got something like YouTube on the TV and I'm using my phone to find stuff to throw to YouTube. And I don't want to have to, like, I'm in the middle of playing my PlayStation game on my phone, but then I need to make my phone also go back to YouTube and change stuff on the TV and then put it back into remote play on the... Like, it's nice to have my phone can be handling what's on the TV and this is letting me play my PlayStation. Yeah. Also, it's got all the fancy weird controller gimmicks work on this, even over remote play, which is nice. I was playing around with Astro's Playroom and all the like stupid little stuff it does with Rumble and the, the yeah. weird fancy triggers. That that all works on this, and it's nice that that works over remote play. The other nice thing, very quickly, is any time that games do stuff with like the little light bar on the DualSense, where, like, oh, your health is low, it glows red or something, there's a lot more sections of LED light on this for some reason like you've split the ps5 controller in half and basically down each of the halves where you've torn it apart is now an led strip mm. so those effects are a lot more visible and noticeable than they are on the one little touchpad strip uh on the DualSense, sense and that's kind of nice it's certainly not for everyone but if you're someone that does do a lot of like second scre- screen gaming and just wants a device where you can just press the power button and your PlayStation is on a handheld and you didn't have to think about it. This is a really nice solution for that.
0: Yeah. I have been tempted. I love handheld devices. I do have um, I would get some use out of it. I think for me, I I really struggle with, with 200 for how situational it is. Yes. As much as I am interested in it, I'm not I'm struggling to justify biting off on it.
1: That's the thing; it is pricey for sure, and like you can break that price apart a bit and go like, okay, well, there's basically a dual sense on it. What are they charging for those? Like sixty quid or whatever. You could do the maths, but I'm like, it's pricey. If you're not already someone that like knows second screen gaming is a thing, you really like really want to put money into. Yeah, for me, it's really it's really working out, but I don't blame any... Like, for for most people I would say, if you're not sure if this is for you, just buy a 20 quid Bluetooth controller that slots around a phone. There are cheaper entry points that will give you a better idea of whether you actually want this. Mm-hmm. I have one other thing I want to talk about that I played this week, and to talk about it I kind of have to talk about a thing I watched this week that I really want to recommend to people, so... The YouTube channel People Make Games uh, posted a video recently called The Games Industry Must Not Stay Silent on Palestine. I don't want to go into huge depth on it, but it is a video in which Tamor Hussein and Rami Ismail have conversations with each other and with a Palestinian game developer about the current situation, living, and trying to create games in in, living in Palestine, and the games industry's silence on the atrocities being done against people living in Palestine right now. And specifically, there is a game developer who uh, is interviewed during the video called, uh, apologies if I butcher the pronunciation here, Rashid Abueda, who created a game back in 2016 called Lilia and the Shadows of War. It is a 2D side-scrolling platform game on mobile that aesthetically has a lot in common with something like Limbo. It is a silhouettes-on-silhouettes kind of art style. It is not a particularly lengthy game, but what I will say is striking about this game is that for something published in 2016, it is very, very telling how much of it feels like it could have been published today about the very specific things going on today it is a story about a person trying to get their wife and child to safety while buildings around them are being uh being bombed in the middle of the night and there are little i don't want to say moral choice moments but little choice moments of here's a couple of options what do you do in amongst the platforming and those moments and how they reflect on things like, hey, there's a school over there, maybe we should hide over there, maybe that's somewhere safe to hide, and how you interpret, is that a safe place in Palestine for a person to hide from, from being bombed, is very, very... Uh, that game is seven years old, and it it feels like it was, it was made today, in many, many regards. It is well worth checking out, it's maybe five or ten minutes long, it is not a hugely lengthy game, but I really recommend checking that game out and specifically the video the games industry must not stay silent on palestine very very good video and a game that makes it very clear that the issues going on in palestine right now are certainly not issues that have only been going on for the past couple of months
0: well no i mean yeah i believe that's been going on since before even i was born
1: um Yes, yes, you know. it's it. It's very specifically shines a good light on that idea of a lot of the things that are happening right now are being justified as self defense, and it's like, yeah, if 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 these things were only happening in quote unquote self defense, that they they wouldn't have been shone a light on seven years ago in a completely separate context, you know? But, yeah. See, so yeah. Th- those are two things I have played this week. Um, I know that you both had a couple of things you you wanted to talk about this week that uh, you you thought I might have opinions on. I'm curious, Steph, what your thoughts are this week on Kamazoo, because I started playing that a little this week. Um, So
0: just before we started recording, actually, I published my review of it. That's on Mm. thegymquisition.com. You can read what I thought there. I still absolutely adore it. It's definitely going in, like, the Jimquisition Game of the Year video. Easy. No game has so quickly gotten me into it and and convinced me that it's, like, game of the year material. Mm. Um, I brought this up on the second wind podcast that I was um, on, Windbreakers, which should be available to... uh, You can watch the video version or... or... And please do, because I had to sit in that corset for two fucking hours. (laughs) So... And I was really annoyed that the, the camera setup was such that you could barely see it. The amount of times I had to quote-unquote stretch just to show off how like devastating I looked. Yeah. But anyway, um, I pointed out on there that it is a shame it came out as late as it did. So that it got no consideration for the game adverts, um, for mm. those that care about those. One thing I said last week that I just want to quickly update is... Where I said it was a bit of a shame that the politeness was competitive because you get rewarded karma hearts for every selfless or polite thing you do. Uh, One thing I did not spot was that if you complete a loop successfully, if you do all four stages and get to the end, all of the hearts you individually earned are pulled together and then everyone gets the total. So Mm. there is no contest
1: in that regard. That was one thing that stood out to me when I was playing it. Though I will say, I still feel, despite the fact that like you finish the loop and everyone pulls their hearts together and everyone gets all of the pulled hearts and there's no benefit for the person who collected more, I still feel mildly competitive about it. Oh, I yeah. still want to be the one who collects the hearts, though. Like, I'm someone who in real life will have very polite
0: conflicts over who holds open a door. Like my, my compulsive politeness, some of which is trauma born, but you know, uh, but my compulsive politeness is, is, uh, it definitely uh, like surfaces in a somewhat competitive nature because I want to be helpful. And I want to prove that
1: I'm... It doesn't matter to anyone else playing. Even if everyone's going to get those hearts at the end, I want to see my individual number go up during the run. Yeah. (laughs) Even if it's just going to be thrown in a bucket for everyone to have. Indeed. Uh, But the one thing I will say that runs counter,
0: and I brought this up in the review, is every single one of the characters or bodies that you can inhabit has a set of unique challenges, and they have to be completed in a single loop otherwise they reset for most of them it's fine for some of them like the turtle it's like guard against 20 hazards and because you don't know if you will see more hazards like if you'll see enough hazards to naturally guard against in a loop and with the turtle i felt i had to do this i i held the team up (laughs) Turtling <laughs> over and over, grinding protections. Um, and some of them like drop useful tombstones on the spikes. You will want to rush ahead and get there before anyone else because they might take up the space that you need. And I think what I would rather have had would be for challenges to take longer to beat, because the other extreme is a character you really want might have super easy challenges. You do in a loop accidentally without even trying to do them. And both of those extremes would be solved if challenges took longer to beat, but carried over from loop Mm. to loop. Yeah, I think that's the only change I'd make. Otherwise, this game is perfection as far as I'm concerned.
1: Honestly, yes. Uh, As someone who has been... Ill and on bed rest and not able to to communicate with other people, really. This has been the exact level of wholesome game I've needed. Going through your little cooperative experiences, not really able to talk to each other, but just being cute little friends going on adventures is very good. I unlocked the duck last night, and now all all I want to do is play as the duck, and Kamazu's great. The duck as well, because I think that costs the most... To unlock,
0: like, 10,000 karma hearts or something, but it's so It was a useful.
1: pricey early one, but I did, I, it was the first thing I yeah. bought. Yeah, and it's worth it. I did, like, five or six runs just to get the duck, and I was, like, totally worth it. There are some bodies that have the same
0: function, that work better than others. Like, the bell can shatter glass 360 degrees, whereas the elephant has to charge into it from a flat plane, and the elephant is just shit as a result. I think the duck's the only one that does its skill where it throws out a musical note that takes ages to dissipate and just activates any musical thing in its wake, which is probably the best skill, depending on the level, because everything's situational. But I am glad... I really thought you would dig it.
1: Yeah, I've put a couple of hours into it, and I already understand why you've got it in Game of the Year contention. It's... uh... It's really fucking charming. One other thing I wanted to
0: bring up is last week I said the art style was evocative of an old mobile game I used to play, um, uh, the Pix the Cat series of games. I saw the cat character for the first time shortly after podcasting, and it's Pix the Cat. So, same, presumably, same studio, but certainly like. Same, deliberately same art style because it's got the same cat in it. So I, I was, as someone who like was super hooked on Pix the Cat back in the day, I was very pleased to see Pix back in this game.
1: Whoa. Uh, Conrad, you had a couple of games you wanted to talk about that you thought I might find interesting before I run away. <laughs> I have a
2: few things, but we'll have to save Backpack Hero for another week because there is just Way too much to talk about. With yeah, that game.
1: I I want to come back to Backpack Hero, but this is not the week for me to dig into this is that game.
2: Not the week. Rest assured, I think half of that game is amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get into that. We'll next. get into that. Yeah, but I did have a couple of other things that I I wanted to bring up. First of all, this is very light. It's very breezy. I think you in particular, Laura, would really enjoy this. is just a super chill thing to do that's fun. It's called An Arcade Full of Cats. This is free to play. It's on Steam. And it is just a hidden object game. Oh. You have a pair of time-traveling cats dressed as Doc and Marty in a DeLorean <laughs> traveling from the present back through the history of video game arcades in five-year slices so you have the you have 1980s 1985 1990 1995 and 2000 and each of these depicts a cat influenced arcade that is period appropriate that is full of cats that you have to click and find I love this so much. It is so nice, so just incredibly fun and relaxing. It provides a, a hint system to where, you know, you can click a little magnifying glass and it'll point you to a cat and then, you know, give you some time to refill so you can try to look around and find the ones you're missing a little longer. So it's very, very chill about that. Every stage also has a, uh, a coin hidden in it that activates one of the arcade machines, Ooh. which then has its own hidden object puzzle <laughs> in it. The games are all cat puns and themes.
1: I'm looking at screenshots. Not only does this look charming, I'm seeing screenshots of a giant celestial cat just giving s- surreal quotes
2: yep. in space, and i I'm in love with this. This it, looks
1: wonderful. It
2: is a delight. I played it on stream this week, and just, I thought Laura's gonna love this, so, yeah, Yeah. check that out, and it's free, it's it's being supported by DLC that has some wackier locations, but, um... This this
1: is exactly the level of brain
2: I have right now, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And then the other thing that I played, that I thought you would want to be somewhat conscious of, I don't know if I want to encourage anyone to play it it's called Flipwitch um now i i didn't include the full title because that would have given away the game uh it, it's It's called Flipwitch the Forbidden Sex hex uh-huh. right sorry let me let me just
1: yeah cross on the at... floor for this
2: uh-huh yeah so flipwitch The the Forbidden Sex hex is a two d Metroidvania game. Where you are a witch who acquires a power to swap genders. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, it is your job to rescue the kingdom from the Chaos Witch, who has managed to get various other, you know, alignments in place to try and conquer (laughs) the kingdom. They've got to deal with the goblins, and with the demons, and yada, yada, yada and you have to go find all the keys and it's a very straightforward metroidvania.
0: Those tits are huge.
2: Right? <laughs> the jublies are in full force.
1: Are you looking at that boss fight with the big green tits? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then I'm looking at the other boss fight with the big blue tits. Yeah. yeah.
2: There are the, the tits are in full effect. Everything mm. bounces to just such an absurdly comic degree. The visuals in the gameplay are really pretty good. The animation is there. Like, you set aside the fact that you're just like... Gravity functions in a way I do not understand in this place. But other than that, really beautiful. This is some superb quality pixel art. I mean, it looks
0: amazing.
2: Until... until you get to the rewards. So the way the game functions um after as you travel around trying to find the keys to enter the chaos castle and confront the chaos witch, uh you will encounter NPCs that um just need a little help in their life. You know, just like they need they need something to make their life better particularly someone generally someone of a certain gender and career uh-huh. and so you will find costumes throughout the environment that will make you appear to be like oh i don't know there's a demon lady who needs a farmer to dominate them and so you will later find a farmer costume for sale and you will put that on in and uh and the costumes are gendered um so there's no way to mess that up and then you are treated to a full screen animation in you know the 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 style that we're all accustomed to but the line art is so much worse <laughs> like it's kind of jarring the quality difference between the sprite art in the game and the Animated drawings that are uh, your Rewards for uh, Having completed a quest Yeah I noticed uh, the trailer
0: doesn't Seem to show that it's all Pixel art
2: yes Yes Yeah. And... why would
1: you do anything Other than the pixel art when the pixel art looks This it's good amazing pixel art
2: You know I it's uh well Part of it is perspective Yeah you know um Like I, I think that just the zoomed in thing They're just not getting I mean don't don't get me wrong, things are detailed. Like mm. there are some veiny schlongs in mm. this in this game. Yeah, that I've noticed. Yeah. Um but the other thing that is and, and the other thing that's disappointing about it is that it is um just completely hetero. Just totally hetero throughout. Uh. which feels like a real missed opportunity. You know? Yeah. Yeah
1: it it seems like the kind of thing that sh- like you would want to have a very like gender and sexuality are, are are very fluid let's have fun with it kind of attitude yeah
2: i would that's what i would want and you know the, i think that that sort of speaks to what uh, you know probably a developer preference and or an expected yeah. audience preference it, and
1: it 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 feels like it's more from the like Fetishized outside view rather than the, like, empowered, lived experience yeah, perspective, like, perhaps. When
0: I first heard of it, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, sex positive, gender flippy game. But then as you say that, it's like, oh, wait, this is more for salacious reasons, which is fine. Right? Like, I'm all for that. But yeah. compared to what that premise could promise in terms exactly. of, you know, being a very sex and gender positive game that does feel like a missed opportunity. And
2: and to be clear, like there is never any like judgment or bigotry or hatred directed yeah. at the character um as a result of this power despite it being like indicated at the beginning of the game that this is a forbidden magic that you know is not allowed in the kingdom. Um everybody that you meet you can swap gender in you know right in front of them and the conversation is different and they will even acknowledge in some cases that they are conscious of the fact that you are presenting a different gender than you were previously and there's no judgment like it's not weird Mm. they're totally chill with it but at the same time then i would kind of hope to see some you know diversity and sexuality run through this um so that's kind of yeah kind of disappointing it does make it a bit fetishistic. Um but if you know if if you want a horny game that that plays pretty well. It has some excellent pixel art in the gameplay. Um yeah yeah you could do you could do worse. It is pretty tough in in and unforgiving in the combat. I do like about half of the boss encounters. There's some neat stuff there. They do not, I wouldn't say, much with the gender swap mechanic in terms of in-game play. There are some platforming sections where you're going to swap between. And over time, you get all of your sort of standard Metroidvania abilities, your air dash, other stuff like that. I I like the game, actually. I It's, it's pretty I've, well made.
0: I checked out some of the reviews, and that's very much... The consensus is, came for the tits, stayed for the game. Yeah, and I'm always interested in that. You know, because so many sex and porn games are cheaply cobbled together shit. So when a genuinely well-made, well-crafted game also happens to be a porn game, and runs the risk, of course, of being dismissed Mm -hmm. for that reason, I'm always just fascinated by that. I also think Critical Bliss is a really great name for a developer.
2: Yes. Um, yeah.
0: happens to be the name of the dev who seems like this is their thing is surprisingly well-made porn games
2: <laughs> yeah oh, so that's that's flip Witch. it's worth oh. the god i can't believe i'm saying this it's actually kind of <laughs> worth checking out
1: i am intrigued but i'm glad that i have the caveats of what this actually is yeah
2: yeah, yeah. we've
1: come a long way from bone town
2: we sure yeah. have. Oh my god. Oh god, I will never yeah. forget how relentless the ref was <laughs> for Bone Town. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, I learned a valuable lesson that trade show. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm gonna bail here
1: and leave the rest of the episode to you both, but that I is. hope you have a good recording. Thank you. While yes. I go Thank you back for to on. lie down for a bit.
2: Steph, what else have you played?
0: Uh, what else have I played? Well, <laughs> Uh, there's been two games i played. I'm going to kick off with the one that... Not the good one. Game Mill's back. And worse than ever. Um, we talked at great length, of course, about Rise of Kong. Skull Island. Um, and this past week, Game Mill, the literal Game Mill, has churned out... Uh, AMC's The Walking Dead Destinies And I I'm not sure I, If we Take all of the like Really like legendarily bad Asset flips off the table I don't know if I've ever played a game Where the very first Moment the gameplay starts I burst out laughing I will say that of AMC's The Walking Dead Destinies Unlike Kong, I can at least say it's funny bad. To the point where there are things this game does. So, it immediately starts in the hospital. It's based on the TV show, of course. It immediately starts in the hospital with no introductory cutscene. You are just there, stood in the hospital. It doesn't show you getting out the bed or anything. Even that Last Hope, Last of Us, like, the game that was called The Last of Us ripoff, that at least showed you waking up. This does not. And I just burst out, like, it's because it's so abrupt. And the graphics, um, especially with the kind of ruined hospital scenery, immediately made me think of Saw the video game. Not favorably.
2: I was just thinking of Saw the video game the other day. I was, yeah, I watched some YouTube, like, retrospective on the series, which is actually, I think, the best way to consume the Saw movies from a narrative (laughs) point of view. Like, I think that that is ideal, and uh, but they went to the effort to play to cover the games also, which I respect a lot. When oh, yeah. you know, yeah. I've
0: never played them, but as a Saw fan, I have watched a long play. I watched a long play the first one recently because I went on a recent rewatch kick leading up to Saw Axe, Which, by the way, they brought it back. That's what after I After the past two films, like one of the slowest starts to almost any horror movie ever um, for like the first 20 minutes or so but then I was back, I haven't not since Saw Saw 5 have I burst out laughing and that by the way is my litmus test for a good Saw film Mm -hmm. is if I am riotously laughing and there is a scene involving a colon I, i've heard yes i've heard i, I was in stitches <laughs> um it j- just a like all saw films complete fucking bollocks throughout mm-hmm. but my kind of balls like just i was vastly entertained
2: well, this this person who did the retrospective, they did it as a, as a result of Saw X having recently come out right. and wanting to include it and in all of that. And so this was fairly recent. And I bring that up because they talked about having to acquire the Saw game uh, yeah. in order to play it, which I, I played and I liked it just for the record. I thought it was a perfectly fine Silent Hill ripoff. But... This person had to spend $60 for a copy of Song
0: <laughs> on PlayStation 3. Fucking hell.
2: And it was disc only. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like mint in box or even with manual. It was just the disc. They paid 60, 60 pounds, so they probably paid like 80 bucks.
0: Yeah. This is why I've never played it, because you can't get it digitally. And it's really hard to get a, a physical copy.
2: It's it, it wild to me. They didn't even bother with Saw Two because that one's going for like ninety.
0: That's just mayhem.
2: the The market's just gone off the end, and and I, I saw, and I don't think we have anything on it in our news here. I did see that like um, collector market for video games is cratering right yeah. now,
0: and and good honestly because I yes. remember when. The older a game and system was, the cheaper it was. Like, that's, that was the rule. But because we all have become, like, like, as a generation, like, such ardent collectors, we, I've done a video on this, how we ruined them. Like, we capitalismed our own, like, hobbies and, and kind of wrecked it. We had help. Well, yeah, like, I don't want to blame it all on us as people.
2: There was very clearly a a grift being performed to in you know rapidly inflate this market, yeah. so that some people could make a lot of money at it. And I think that those people have made their money and don't give a shit anymore. But that's happened with all of these uh, secondary markets. I, I I also think that part of it comes down to um, print runs, like now they've figured out how to calculate how many to print on these yeah. a little bit better. And they're not overproducing to some, you know, unnecessary degree. And then less immediately popular games that wind up getting second appraisals and, and fresh life are just, uh, you know, there's just not that many copies out there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you were saying. So about,
0: <laughs> yeah. the walking dead, um, so it is complete garbage. Like mm-hmm. it, it is very similar to Kong, like, minimum viable product. Maybe a little bit more has gone into this one, but it is still visually, like, so dated. And, like, that's why I thought of Saw was the, the way it looks, animates. It reminds me of a 360-era horror game. Loads of glitchy physics and bad animations. The art is hilarious, Rick looks like a child's drawing of Michael Douglas. (laughs) Looks nothing like Rick Grimes from the show. (laughs) None of the characters look like the actors the cutscenes, such as they are, it's almost like they leaned into that meme about Kong Skull Island where it was just that, there, there was that stand in JPEG. Like, they're all just the character models awkwardly posed. Like, you know, have you, have you seen those, like, shitty gra- uh, um, visual novels where they've taken, like, stock asset 3D models and just, like, freeze-framed them? It's yeah. that. Oh. It's that. But they freeze them in, like, just the funniest facial expressions and and whatnot. Uh, The game itself is, like, really, it's so, like, is awful. You have a stamina bar, which is never fun for most games unless they're explicitly built around that as resource management. Whereas here, killing one zombie depletes your stamina to nothing, even if you've, like, upgraded it you're constantly getting grabbed. Sometimes commands just don't work. Like the general idea is you swing once or twice. It seems to be random. Uh, A little window, like a brief second window will flash up, like an icon where you can insta-kill the zombie with a knife. And then every now and then your adrenaline will raise and you'll be able to do a finish, which whatever. Sometimes those commands just don't work. That's whether it's in combat for stealth or for stomping on zombies' heads. Those commands sometimes will not appear, let alone work. And if a zombie so much as touches you, you get grabbed. And if you're grabbed, just, like, it takes only a few moments for you to, like, have your health not to fuck all. It's not that it's hard, though, because the AI is a fucking joke. Mm -hmm. It's just awkward and stodgy and shit and bad and horrid. It does two... It does one interesting thing and one hilariously interesting thing. The one interesting thing it does is, as you progress through the game, you can make choices that decide who lives or who dies, who leaves your party, who doesn't. And only while you have a character alive and in your party can you access upgrades that appear as a result of them. They apply to every character you end up playing throughout the course of the story. But, say, for example... Uh, Merle, who In the comics and story You leave him handcuffed Mm -hmm. On a roof And if you do that, if you follow the plot And leave him handcuffed His upgrades become unavailable for the game Oh So, and if If you unlock all the upgrades of someone And then they die, you keep them So it's this weird balancing act Of like, trying to work out who's gonna live And who's gonna die some of them just pertain to weapons, so if you lose a character with, without, like, getting those upgrades, just don't use that weapon. They're, they're in liberally spread around enough, and they literally all behave the same. Some are more damaging, but for the most part, you fight the same way, no matter what. Guns are a little bit different. You want to max out the shotgun and the sniper rifle as quickly as possible, because they're the ones that are actually good. The others are pea shooters and shit. So the other thing it does is the destinies of the title. Mm -hmm. Where you are given binary choices throughout the plot. Where you can follow or deviate from the original story. Mm -hmm. And this game, it's one of the shittest games released this year. Make no mistake of that. However... It has done the single greatest thing anything related to The Walking Dead has done. You can make a choice, pretty early on, that results in Carl Grimes' death. <laughs> and considering I used to call the show The Misadventures of a Four Foot Burden, I have been delighted. <laughs> you wow. see the funeral and everything in, in glorious static imagery. <laughs>
2: That, that feels like the sort of thing that was put in specifically for people who could not stand that character. Mm, it
0: gets better. Oh,
2: good. <laughs> so, later on, there's another pivotal plot
0: moment where, um, it spoilers for the show and, and that, I guess, Shane and Rick, who become sort of love rivals and, and what have you, Shane takes Rick out to kill him, and you can decide who succeeds that encounter. Does Rick survive or does Shane kill him? (laughs) The thing is, when you make your choice, and I chose Shane because I thought, you know, can I wipe out the whole Grimes line? Um, (laughs) A boss fight happens and I, I had a fixed grin on my face as Rick Grimes' health bar phil's at the top of the screen and you both run around like headless chickens like firing at each other with these shitty like shooting mechanics and him like like flopping about i just couldn't believe it that that they went for a full-on boss fight with a health bar and everything for this pivotal plot emotional supposed to be Plot point. Um, so, no matter how bad this game is, and it is bad, and how forgettable this game is, and it will be forgotten, it has made decisions with that IP <laughs> that have left me reeling, and and that at least rescues it from the top spot of shittest game of the year. Because otherwise, we have another strong contender. We have another game of the same quality of Kong or Gollum or or fucking
2: Redfall or what have you. This year has been wild what happened to all of these sorts of games getting dropped in the summer when no one's paying attention and like has the industry just decided we're just going to put the absolute best and worst of everything into the three-month period at
0: the end who knows who bloody knows i i don't know i mean game mill especially just seems to be like coming they've been going a while but they just seem to have really exploded into prominence recently they found their voice yeah <laughs> and it's a deafening screech uh yeah that game is something else it, yeah. it is equally as bad as kong but thanks to the hilariously bad character art and character models and the narrative choice it made it is at least funny bad which i couldn't say of kong that was just sad like, somehow they made a worse walking dead game than I think it was called Survival Instinct. The one, the first person one that uh, Michael Rooker marketed mm-hmm. as Merle and Darryl in a game. <laughs> what could be better than that? And it turned out most things. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, incredible. Amazing. I can't Amazing. recommend it. Like, don't watch it on YouTube or something. It's worth that for the funny bits, but other than that, like, don't don't buy it thinking you're gonna have a laugh. Right, you'll get the same experience on YouTube in a long play or someone's let's play.
2: Well, this feels like as good a time as any to say I've been playing Quantum Break this week.
0: Ah, <laughs> I I redownloaded that about two three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then even though I really like it, for some reason I've tried more than once to replay it, and I just can't. I'm like. No, this seemed like a good idea, and then I started playing it, and I was like, "I want to do something else." How have you been finding it?
2: Well, it's yeah, I, it's the only remedy game I hadn't played. Um, I just somehow didn't give a shit. I think when it, yeah. it came out, that probably had some something to do with the immediate critical reception. Um, and maybe some of the people I was hanging around with, I was, you know, running with a bad crowd. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a, a very easily influenced young man, mm. uh, obviously.
0: Yeah. I was one of the few people who, like, really, really liked it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it might be, in terms of gunplay, Remedy's best work. Like, even now. Uh, more so than Control. I don't get on with cover mechanics, but these are unobtrusive. Yeah, I don't need to do anything to get in or out of combat, and it's very quick. It's not an inconvenience if I accidentally go into cover in this game, which is often a problem that I have uh, when playing a, a third-person shooter. The thing that I was stunned by is, like, the... The facial designs, the character models, and the textures that they have for the faces are fucking incredible yes and and for what was this 2011? 2016. okay yeah twenty sixteen so, mid twenty you know you know how I figured that out before I looked it up <clears throat> yeah uh i w- I had been doing the math on where in the timeline of um alan wake right it would fall um and so it was in my head that it was seven years before the event it
0: feels earlier
2: it, it does. feels
0: like it came out earlier um although interestingly enough quantum break is not uh considered to take part take place in the same universe as alan wake and um, control
2: well no and it and it and it couldn't um yeah because uh the film based on the Alan Wake book Return, is already, like, nearing release as of 2016 in the Quantum Break continuity. Because it's there in, like, the first 10 minutes, a trailer for a movie based on Alan Wake's book Return. Like, they couldn't even stop there, you know, like, at that <laughs> point. It was already germinating in their heads. There's a, a an old Gods of Asgard cover band that you find a poster for in, in like, the opening area. I and mean, that's fine. I, I think that uh, and, and I don't care if it's I, I already have sort, sort of my issues with how much of control is in Alan Wake as yeah. opposed to the other way around. I really think control should have been the umbrella product
0: it, and control is a like like Alan Wake 2 is a quasi sequel to control in many ways. It, like it, it really, becomes yeah. a control game as you go further.
2: Yeah. And 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 early on the the just the appearances of it sort of filled me with a sense of dread that that might be where it's going. And it's still, it still feels more like a sequel to Alan Wake than a sequel to Control. Yeah.
0: But it is drenched in what is colloquially known as continuity porn.
2: Yes. Yes, it is.
0: And I'm a big fan of continuity porn. Me too. Like, I'm, I'm a sucker for, like, like when, um, I think, like, Cain and Lynch got a reference in a Hitman game once, like, I love little nods. The Mm -hmm. things... And obviously it's been soured a bit by the amount of sort of crossover and... the marvelization of... Yeah, like... Entertainment. ...universes that have sort of become homogenized in media. Uh, But back in the day, I was a huge sucker for continuity nods in other ostensibly uh, separate IP. I loved that stuff.
2: Yeah. But yeah, I do... I really like the combat in Quantum Break. I think it works pretty well... Um, I was stunned by the 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 character models. Aiden Gillen, who is the he's set up as the antagonist at the beginning. I'm sure that that will be revealed to be something other than what I'm being told by the game because of it course, is a all, remedy game.
0: All I can call him is Peter Baelish because that's all I see. No matter what, how strong he tries to put on the American accent, all I hear is I'm Peter Baelish.
2: Well, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's um. Mayor Karketty, for me, from The Wire. He will always be ah. Karketty. Um, I
0: never watched The Wire. I'm one of those people.
2: I would be interested to see your perspective on The Wire, though. Because it is such a an American story. and And specifically, like, an East Coast American story. The Wire is yeah oh, you know it's like the way that New York is often said to be a character in something that 's set in New York, but that 's actually kind of like what the wire is. The wire is an examination of the drug trade in Baltimore and how various systems within the the structures of society in yeah. Baltimore are failing in attempts to address it. It's great. Like, it's really, really good. But it's really all about an East Coast American city. And so while there are aspects of it that I think would, you know, be recognizable and understandable, culturally it is so of America and how we approach our problems and or fail to approach our problems that your perspective on it would interest me, mm. having been in both – sort of places at varying yeah. times. Um, but yeah, he, Quantum Break, here's the thing that I find frustrating about it. So I finished the first act, and the structural narrative gimmick of this game is that you make decisions at junction points, and then you watch a television episode-length video Yeah, where some of the choices that you have made at this junction are reflected in the direction that that episode of television goes.
0: Yeah, this was the like one of the big flagship pushes of the Xbox One at the time, when one was supposed to represent an all-in-one entertainment device. And mm-hmm. I still remember that press conference where they pushed TV synergy so hard, and it was so embarrassing. And I'm
2: not opposed to this. You know, like conceptually, narratively, I think there are ways to do it. You and I have very different um, thoughts, I think, on how pacing should be applied or can be applied in games and narratives generally. Yeah. Um, And I think that it is achievable to make something that is cross-media and engaging oh, I'm not saying it and engrossing no no i understand I think that microsoft's
0: it's not... particular push was particularly yes. embarrassing
2: yeah yeah i know i just think i think broadly this was a bad <laughs> this just didn't go well um and i think microsoft thinks that too because i can't watch the show i am playing it on xbox game pass on pc it's just supposed to link to the episodes on Microsoft's servers somewhere. Yeah. They're not there. They're not there. They're not there. I If I want Amazing. to watch the TV show, I have to go to YouTube mm-hmm. and find an upload that I think is going to match the choices that I made. <laughs> and watch that. And... You know, I, this is something that well, I've been bringing up to you a bit recently in regards to other games and so forth, It's that the entropy yeah. that we are experiencing in video games as time progresses, and, you know, we make them more complex and we introduce new elements, but those elements have dependencies. Yes. And, uh, you know, whether that is... The availability of other people to play that game.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of my like things that I keep forgetting to bring up when I mention Karma Zoo. Is there's a shelf life on that? One day, that game will not be playable, and right. that's really sad.
2: And and while Quantum Break is very playable in its current state, it is missing what is purported to be fifty percent of the experience. There yeah. will be people who will argue that point, and fair dues. Go right ahead, um, but considering
0: what it was, the package it was sold as, right, it is missing fifty percent of that package. Absolutely, yeah.
2: yeah. So, kind of a shame, uh, but I do think the game is is pretty well made from what I've played, and I'm I'm looking forward to getting more in to that. But that has represented a bit of a stumbling block for me. The realization that oh, well. Okay, I'm going to have to do that thing again In another act And it, it definitely like Took some of the wind out of my sails It's kind of a bummer Yeah Um. Let's see here Have you played
0: anything else? I played Dave the Diver mm. I Understand Why it's A game of the year for many people Yeah It is very charming I recognise it is very good. I'm bored of it already. The loop of it is just not grabbing me. You go underwater, you hunt for fish and other things, then you serve sushi, and you just... So far, I've just done that over and over, and it's gotten to the point where sometimes I'm like, I'm going to stop playing because I cannot be bothered to go in the ocean again, or... I'm going to stop playing because I cannot be bothered to do the sushi right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I tend to want to stop playing the game because I have gone through the cycle one too many times and just can't be asked to do it again. Which is not a great place to be in when you're playing a game. It is charmingly written, very well made. The gameplay is, is perfectly good. Although I think at least on like Switch where I'm playing it, a little bit of aim assist or something when firing the harpoon would be nice because it is very specific to the point where I have seen the harpoon go through a fish's model where clearly the hitbox was way more specific than even the size of the fish and I just can't line them up right and it's, it gets very frustrating. And it got more enjoyable when I, like, upgraded the air supply and could stay down longer and everything didn't constantly feel like like a stressful rush. But after doing that, now I, I'm just finding it a bit... just a bit tedious. But that is not to say it is bad, and that is not to say that I don't fully understand why people love it so much. But to me, it's, it's just a game where I'm like, yep, it's good, but I... Would rather play something else most of the time.
2: Yeah. Well, the only other thing that I played this week is um uh Risk of Rain Returns.
0: I've been very curious about this.
2: Yeah. It is um it is Risk of Rain. Have you have you played Risk of Rain? We've played it together, in that's, fact. That's right. We, we have.
0: streamed it, I think, once together. Um I remember Finding it sometimes frustrating, but mm-hmm. generally enjoyed it. Then I found Risk of Rain 2 disappointing, not because it's a bad game per se, but it's. I found it impenetrable. I mm-hmm. found it so hard and so unfun as a result.
2: I had relatively little success playing Risk of Rain 2, which is, you know, for a rogue like, unlike me um yeah. it's not that i'm oh my gosh i'm so good at them, but it's they're gen- they play to my strengths in terms of of patience and and so forth
0: yeah i'm glad to know it wasn't just me because i it was always when I got to the final sort of bit of that first stage, like mm-hmm. the the final wave thing, and i 'm like not there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, nowhere to get bearings i I'm just overwhelmed and i 'm not having fun,
2: yeah i I didn't enjoy – I didn't get on with it as, as yeah. well as I did the first one. And I kind of suspected that would be the case when it went to the first-person perspective. There's nothing wrong with it. And mechanically, like, they very effectively translated basically every game element that existed in Risk of Rain into a 3D game. And damn if that's not impressive as hell. I don't want to play that, but I am thoroughly impressed at how accomplished that was. Like, that goal was hit. So, Risk of Rain Returns is the original Risk of Rain. But beautiful. And I liked the minimalist uh, art style in the first one Mm -hmm. uh, a lot. This gives you a more detailed uh enhancement of those graphics but it still feels right of the same style it's just added a little bit of depth and complexity in which makes everything a little more identifiable too uh which is great otherwise it's the same fucking game they've added some new challenges to unlock and 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 so forth with specific configurations you'll have to play with and yada 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 but otherwise it's it's just a very pretty just as playable risk of rain
0: hell if they can remaster uh the last of us part two all fucking ready then uh risk of rain's perfectly valid well it's been more than 10 years yeah you know like, when did risk of rain come out uh,
2: I think I was still in Mississippi at least. Oh for sure. Twenty thirteen. Yeah, Twenty thirteen. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a decade. I have not reached a point yet where I would have experienced the kind of slowdown that became normal in Risk of Rain One on runs. Like it it does reach a point, and you know, it was made with Game Maker. So yeah. There's going to be a limit on what that engine is capable of as compared to a lot of others yeah uh, it it feels very smooth uh yeah, I like it I like it uh let's see the top reddit discussion uh on on my search here says risk of rain returns is literally literally unplayable um oh. i don't agree with that that person's opinion literally unplayable literally unplayable well, it was from two weeks ago, maybe there was something changed in an update but i i doubt it but yes really like what they've done with it yeah it's good
0: curious very positive on steam reviews like i was because normally if there was like some shitty launch you'd see Mm -hmm. yeah like an up like you'd see all reviews yeah and then Oh, how how is it they present it? They usually give you like a snapshot of where the score was versus like where it is now. Right. Uh, and there's only one, just consistently very positive across like over fourteen thousand reviews. So maybe it was just one person just yep. unhappy with it.
2: That's, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with it. I, I am. Think it's, I think it's good. Pick it up. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's that's all I've played this week. Have you played anything um, else?
0: That's all yeah that's all it is for me to say
2: all right well we do have some newsy bits that laura very graciously supplied to us uh to look at um and uh i gotta be honest none of it's great news probably the most positive thing uh there was a case that a couple of employees of niantic brought back in july uh, claiming sexual bias in, mm. in in raises. And there's been some progress on that. This week, a, a court in Los Angeles has ruled that the case actually can proceed. Um, Niantic was trying to get around a recent law that makes forced individual arbitration agreements invalid in California. Oh, no, really? Uh, is they were claiming it's like that the, the law didn't really mean what, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what it said it meant, and uh judge shut really? that down. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's going to move forward. Code. Yeah.
0: Like, everything I've heard from people who work at Niantic, uh, and people have reached out over the years, like, mm-hmm. it's shitty management over there. They don't listen to their staff. They do things like what this cases going ahead with like like sexual bias and stuff like that it's led by buffoons Mm. that's the general impression i get from like people on the ground at the antic it is led managed by buffoons
2: i can yeah i could see that it it, it's you know and buffoons who have seemed to seemingly stumbled into something with a tremendous profit potential oh yeah i mean like like
0: as as always, you right. know the the yeah. success of a company is uh it 's down to the people that actually did the work, which right. is very rarely management
2: uh, almost never
0: mm mm-hmm.
2: almost never epic has uh recently implemented their age rating system for all their little cosmetics and whatnot yeah, this was almost a
0: gymquisition oh really, it was almost a gymquisition um not because this particular case was, was a massive extreme example of the fear that people had, but it did bring it up, which is this idea of these people bought their cosmetics in good faith, mm-hmm. whether you agree with them doing it or not, and then having limits put on it, like, ages after the fact, essentially reducing the functionality of what they bought, and I do believe cosmetics serve functions, that throws up Issues of ownership and like The, the usual issues that we have with, mm-hmm. with the ownership of digital content But Really throw us open the um, The potential pitfalls Of trusting That the money you spend On a game is going To last, is going to be Worth it, is going to result In a product that you could Even use Let alone use to its full effect Um That's the part of it that fascinated me and and almost made it a video because, yeah, I think there was a valid point to be made in suddenly they're restricting the appearance, uh, as was the original announcement, restricting the appearance of cosmetics and reverting you to default ones depending on where you go. Mm -hmm. And one thing Epic did that always annoys me was when they were like less than however many percent, I think it was like a single-digit percent, like, we'll go with six. Oh, this affects less than 6% of the cosmetics. And as I've always said, like, when companies do this, the small percentage of people affected does not make it okay. It does not make it better. Yeah. Uh, That only 6% of uh, people who spent money on your game have been told that their purchase will not be reflected depending on where they play or how they play.
2: Yeah, it's one thing if these sorts of limitations are introduced at the point of sale. Yeah. The problem comes in when you change what the terms are. And I feel like the better approach here, if you wanted to make a kid-safe Fortnite, is to just make a separate product that you can connect in with your whole product ecosystem... And, you know, make cosmetics available within that. And, you know, exploit FOMO and uh, the inability of children with not fully formed brains to make decisions based on impulse. Uh, you know, you could still do all of those things without affecting your existing product line. Yeah. And for some reason, they chose to instead layer this over the entire product line. Because it's, it's led by
0: buffoons.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and and it might—I'm sure they had a reason for it. I mean, they're saying that it's going to take them 12 months to sort out the 7% of, outf- of of outfits in Fortnite that are currently limited to a right. teen-rated island.
0: Yeah, because they are modifying them so they can be used, which throws up the other point that we're seeing in so much media, which is a new type of homogenization, where everything is made as family-friendly as mm-hmm. possible, uh, as territory-friendly as possible, which has led to things like queer representation in mainstream media Mm -hmm. minimizing sometimes to lows that we've never seen before while they queer bait and say oh look at us the first whatever character in a star wars film and then it's oh it's two girls kissing in the background because that can be cut for certain markets
2: and it's it's not limited strictly to you know queer representation either i mean hetero Sexual representation (laughs) in this respect has uh, just... I mean, like, it's like we don't have genitals in mainstream films anymore. Like, I don't know what happened. It's it's weird and deeply uncomfortable that, like, sex is just being wiped out of art in some very strange ways.
0: It's why I'm so happy to see a film like Sorax, where you can have things like that colon scene, which... Another thing that needs to be pointed out, like, this speaks to what I've said for years, that corporations don't want money. They want all of the Mm -hmm. money. Saw used to release every Halloween. Yeah. Because even though it was a horror film, and many Hollywood execs don't like horror because it's niche, they released every Halloween because they were fucking earners. They made money. But we don't get many R-rated movies anymore. Because they want to market them in every territory to every demographic, every age group, as much as possible, until, say, something like Deadpool comes out and they learn the wrong message from it, which is not, this film did well because it's rated R. It was, this film did well because it's what people wanted. And then we have this cynical burst of, of hurried-together R-rated content that flops, and then they go back to the mass market. Shit, I am so saddened by media. <laughs> Just the world of media now.
2: Yep, it's it's deeply unfortunate. Yeah,
0: there's a a great... I, I know you'll have seen it too. A great episode of um, Some More News that talks about why films... In particular, are shit like these days, and goes into the just the despair that is Hollywood right now. Like the the despairing situation between AI, the the push for cheap CG, and the crunch that puts on the animators. Mm -hmm. The amount of money, of course, the execs make. Like it's getting. It's as bad, if not worse now, than video games.
2: And, and hopefully we will see an animator strike Yes, soon. I'd That's, love that. That is, uh, I, I feel like that is very, very close to happening.
0: It needs to happen.
2: Almost everybody else has at this point. And boy, we have reached a point where they have, like, special effects workers have so much power animators have so digital artists have so much power that they could wield over this industry yeah
0: they have to realize it and they have to do it in in unison because right now right now they can't access that power because they're treated as disposable there are outlets that will produce shit cheap for them
2: and the the, the very one of the very reasons they have that power is because their labor isn't unionized, uh, yeah. and and they the industry has put so much faith and have put so much uh, weight on yeah. the existence of of visual artists and digital artists in this industry and animators by integrating them into everything that is made that there there will be almost no films that can be made without them and yeah. those that will will probably have people fucking in them so it's a win-win for us <laughs>
0: oh god you just know that tom savini is like looking at his phone like any fucking day now <laughs> and i'm back baby brilliant guy by the way i fucking yeah. love tom savini like his special effects fantastic the, the actor, small too. film roles he's had yeah tom savini with the mustache comb in fucking uh Dawn of the Dawn Dead. Of the dead yes. So good. So fucking good. Sex Machine in uh Dusk Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. Fucking I love Tom Savini so much.
2: He's fantastic. Uh, okay, we have a couple more stories. Um seems like Unity is announcing its more of its big push on AI. Um they have an early access release for a tool set that they're calling Muse. And the first three tools have a chat-based search uh, function to find resources and code within Unity's library. Uh, And then they have a 2D sprite generator and a texture generator. They plan to include tools for animations, character interactions, and a prototyping system. And Unity 6, out next year, is going to include a system to embed an AI model within the runtime. So... They are making it available, and hopefully people who use unity don't use it but i I think it it will be if they can if they can keep it accessible the way they did the engine if the runtime fee thing might have really fucked them in this respect because they could have carried on bringing people into the walled garden with this a i nonsense for a while yeah but now they aren't an attractive platform and this isn't going to change anybody's mind. I don't think so good luck with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, my thoughts on AI are well known. Mm. Um, I, it's another area where I am just sad. And as someone who is increasing the amount of writing that they're doing and seeing writing AI coming in somewhat worried, mostly offended Mm -hmm. Um, At just, once again This belief by, by the corpo class That they can take the artist out of the art It disgusts me As it did with NFTs Which was the same grift I've made that point before It's the same grift It is taking artists out of the art Rendering art to nothing but a cheaply produced commodity Which of course, you know They've wanted that for decades, and much of it has been that. But to automate it to this level now, uh, and to so insultingly treat artists with contempt, which all of these bros do that. Mm -hmm. um, They did it with NFTs. They do it with AI. They wear it on their sleeve. like They tell on themselves so easily when you see these advocates online for AI, and they're the same people that did it for NFTs often they frame it through resentment of artists Mm -hmm. and this hatred of artists. And they're clearly the people that have tried to pay in exposure for years. They are acting the way incels salivate when they think about sex robots.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: They think with AI they've got the artistic equivalent of a sex robot, and they're letting that bitterness. And they're, they're artistic incels is what they are.
2: Mm, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it the other day and there is one usage for AI art tools that I really really like and I wish it didn't have to come with all of the other shit. I'm 100% in agreement on generative AI art. Like right? that, that is it's there are are useful functions for it in terms of if you want to get some ideas for layout or something like that, you know, I can – if it's not a like a, a finished product or even going into the product, but like at an inspiration stage, I can see some value in generative AI work there. But subtractive art, that is where I, I see value, where I can take an image and tell it to remove elements from the image. Not add shit. right? Remove shit. That's that's the thing that I'm looking at and thinking I would use AI for that, because Mm. I think AI could do it more, much more efficiently than I can, even though that is a thing that I can do. I mean, you make the point that the
0: umbrella term of AI is covering a lot of different things.
2: Yes. And honestly,
0: a lot of what it's covering, like generative AI, is not actually AI. That's a misnomer. It's an algorithm. As far as I'm concerned, it won't be AI until we've got that... um, The AGI, yeah. The green head from Captain Planet on the computer screen. As soon as we get the green head from Captain Planet, then that's... I'll call that AI. Until then, it's algorithms. But you're right. Like, I made the point in the the first Jimquisition on this. I will be doing another video on AI at some point. I've had very little problem with it as a toy. Right. Like the generative stuff. As a toy, you, you type you know, random words in and get something funny. It's the sinister motive behind the, the zealous push for it that right. disgusts me in particular. Um But you do make the point that there are there are benign uses. It's just that's not what's being pushed.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, it was the, the same with the uh, blockchain. You know, uh, mm-hmm. real estate transactions at the county level. Uh, yeah. Okay, I could see I could, I, could, I could see that being a useful blockchain function. You know, yeah. anything that has a low volume of exchange but needs to have a a permanent and accurate record that can work. Yeah. And county level real estate information isn't like fucking medical records. You know, um, we should know who owns all the property so we can rise as one. And, and yeah. uh, almost all of the things I criticize
0: that these companies do has at one point had the potential to be something beneficial. But one can never discount capitalism's new. ability to pervert and twist every idea and turn anything promising into something
2: dystopian. It's pretty bleak. And uh, speaking of bleak, Sega has been accused of threatening its unionizing workforce with layoffs. Uh, The Communications Workers of America filed a claim on behalf of uh, Aegis, I believe, uh, with the National Labor Relations Board after workers were called into a meeting where they were told the company would offshore their jobs rather than negotiate with the union. Wow. Yeah. Um there's a mass layoff planned. Uh they're expecting to lay off eighty unionized employees. It's about forty percent of the group uh <laughs> of unionized employees.
0: Yeah, we're gonna see this more. Like oh, we yeah. are going to see this more. I did a video a couple of weeks ago about how like the layoffs we're seeing as bad as they are are worse. Yeah, because of the layoffs that get hidden behind, you know, performance firings and, and things of that nature. All sorts of, of shady ways. And it's not just games, of course, it's across all industry. There are many ways to get rid of employees, uh, to save money while making it not look like that's what it is. And we're seeing this is a similar mindset where we are going to get layoffs that will be presented as innocent layoffs that just so happens to involve um, unionised employees. Recently unionised ones at Mm. that, in some cases. Someone made the point to me, and and I said it in a video as well, with Epic's layoffs a few months back, they offloaded I think it was Bandcamp Mm -hmm. which had unionised whether they did it on purpose or not They got to enjoy the benefit, it was an added benefit of the indulgence that is layoffs. Yeah, I I expect we'll see this story more and more, where layoffs happen and it just so happens, in a perfectly plausibly deniable way, to include all of the unionised teams.
2: Yep, I agree, that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Finally... Speaking, again, of layoffs, um, Embracer put out its most recent financial report, mm-hmm. and uh, they have uh, confirmed that they have laid off about 900 employees in the last quarter, which is 5% of their workforce. Wild. Yeah. The CEO described the quarter as, quote, stable.
0: Well, it, it is <laughs> That's the... For them, yes. They're having a great time. They (sighs) rapidly, aggressively expanded, and now they're getting the employees to pay the price. Mm -hmm. For them, this is just balancing their books. This is stable. This is what stability in our socioeconomic system looks like.
2: Yep. Uh, Their sales increased 13%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... Uh, I guess fuck all of the, those people then. That yeah, that, you know, just just fuck them. Doesn't that, matter. Those nine hundred people, fuck them.
0: That would be their attitude.
2: Yeah. Uh, and that's it. That's it. That's all the news. I'm oh, done. Right. I'm done well, being right bitter and angry. Um, I hope they get what's fucking coming to them. Uh, but uh, we should uh, tell people where they can get what's coming to them, uh, specifically uh, Laura's, yours, Indeed. and, and, and yes. my links. Do you, do you remember where everything Laura does is at laurakbuzz.com? Laura K
0: Buzz, I believe that is uh, all of her social media, uh, her Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash laurakbuzz, and then at laurakbuzz everywhere else. Um, I can't remember the exact date, but she does have another book coming soon. Is that stories of autistic joy? she's I, got so many books so many bo- I, bo- yeah I, I I my fucking memory issues like can't remember which, I know who hunts the whale is out it's on my shelf behind out. me,
2: yeah, the stories of autistic joy, I know that that she did the audiobook for that, and that's... ah that's it, yes that's out? what's out, yeah. yeah, that's what's coming out go get that, go get that, and um. You can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky. You can hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda and Inquisition merchandise at mercenarycreative.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Why, it's you, Steph. It is
0: patreon.com slash gymquisition. Uh, On the subject of uh, merchandise, if you do go to Mercenary Creative or thegymporium.com they lead to the same place. Uh, We do have the Pounding It shirt Mm -hmm. um, that was uh, brought into being by Z Manzilla, who we, we mentioned earlier, who's, again, just been just one of the best decisions I've ever made Just kill in terms it. Of, of contributing yeah. to the content. So do check it out. It's a great design. I love that design. Um, I've been asked recently by a couple of people if I'm going to go back to live streaming at Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. I fully intend to. I can't apologize enough. I have been going through a horrible executive dysfunction streak um, Like, it's really upsetting, Um, and I'm trying to break out of it, uh, and I do intend to go back. Um, Until then, you can check me out on Second Wind's inaugural podcast, Windbreakers. Uh, That should be up on the Second Wind YouTube channel as a um, VOD of the live broadcast. Um, I'm not sure if it's on audio channels yet, but it will be. Um, Do check that out. It It was... the first time Yahtzee and I have spoken in like nine years or so. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It was. Uh, it, yeah. was it was very entertaining, uh, if I do say so myself. Um, it was a lot of fun to be part of. And then finally, um, my next upcoming wrestling date is November 25th. This Saturday, I'll be back in Leeds, back in Stirling Turf. Uh, left bank leads which has become more or less uh, commander sterling's like house Uh, that's where I have my best matches my best reaction a match of the year contender uh, which you can vote for if you go to lgbt in the ring Um, if you look them up um, like like look up on their their social media what have you they've got a link to um, like voting Pages. Um, Commander Sterling versus Kid Bandit is up for Queer Match of the Year. And Commander Sterling, myself, I'm up for International Queer Wrestler of the Year. So. If you want to go over there and uh, say yes, Commander, please do. It would mean a lot to me um, winning either one. I, I'm hoping for Match of the Year because I'm so proud of what me and Kid did together. Um, but, yeah, that's that. And Spectrum Wrestling is due to return on December 17th in um, near the Blackpool area. I will hopefully have details, like full details on that next week. Um, but it will be in conjunction with PCW's December 17th show. So, yeah. That's it. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I've got to go get ready to get some new glasses, hopefully ones that won't give me a massive fucking migraine. I will see you next week, as will Conrad, and hopefully Laura will be back in fine form then. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.